done. Hey, if you're not done, especially in Douglasville, let's just, dear Lord, please help them. You're going to have some traffic that you're about to encounter. It's insane over by the mall, so God be with you if you got to get out in that. I love the Christmas season. One of the biggest things about Christmas that I get excited about, though, is like the, the Christmas movies that come out. I love the Christmas movies. Absolutely love them. Uh, I don't know if Hallmark Christmas movies count as Christmas movies, though. Like, they, they, I mean, they put them on, but they're, like, mass-producing. The Hallmark is like the McDonald's of Christmas movies. Like, they're just pumping them out, pump billions and billions and billions of Christmas movies, and they're all the same. It's, like, all the same. You got, like, I guess maybe, like, three different ones. You got the one where the guy, the guy comes into town and... He's trying to work through issues, and the lady comes in to help him work through the issues so he can be a better person. Or you got the one where the lady comes into town, and she's got a past that she's trying to get rid of, and she goes with this adventure of self-discovery and figures out who she really is, you know. Or you got the one where the mom and dad just have got their priorities mixed up, and they've forgotten what Christmas is about, and the kids have to remind them of what it's all about. So that's, that's your Hallmark Christmas right there. That's your Hallmark Christmas right there. It's all wrapped up in a bow. But I, there's a ton, a ton of Christmas movies out there. And I don't know about you, but I like, I like a lot of them. I like the classic. I like the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. How can you not like you like You like It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah. Come on, let me hear it. You like that movie? Yeah. How can you not like It's a Wonderful Life? Merry Christmas, savings and loan. I mean, how, how can you not like all that stuff. How can you uh, not like the classic cartoons like Rudolph or The Grinch? Man, those are awesome. Those are awesome cartoons. I just love that. It's childhood memories right there. I made my little girl sit down and watch the, uh, the old original Rudolph, and she got bored like five minutes into it, wanted to go do I was like, no, you're going to sit down. I'm going to give you some culture. You're going to understand the importance of this. So you got Rudolph and The Grinch. Uh, how about Christmas Vacation? Christmas Vacation, I know, I know, it's not the best movie, but Clark, that there's an RV, you know, cause, and it's funny because probably everybody's got a Cousin Eddie somewhere in the family tree, you know what I'm talking about, there's just that one oddball, you know, and if you're here and you can't think of the oddball in your family, guess what, that's probably you, Jack, that's probably you, you are Cousin Eddie to your family, uh, Christmas Vacation is a good one, Home Alone is a great Christmas movie. Oh, my goodness. Kevin! I love that. I grew up with, with Home Alone, and I always wondered if I got left alone like that, if I'd be able to take out the bandits that would be breaking into the house. And so I probably could. Man, I can set some booby traps, especially as a kid boy. I'd have jacked them up, I guarantee you. Home Alone was a good one. Elf. Elf is a pretty cool Christmas movie. It's, it's more recent. It's so, so goofy. But it taught us a great lesson. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. See, y'all know. You know. Elf is a good one. But maybe y'all can help me out with this one. Because I've seen this debate going on on social media the last few weeks. And it's become kind of big. Y'all can help me out with this. Is this one a Christmas movie? Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Die Hard a Christmas? If you think it is, let me hear you. All right, if you don't think it's a crit, you know what, we really don't care. Because I think that it's probably, 
Uh, if you can catch it on TV, because the original movie's just full of junk. But dude, watching John McClane take out those dudes in that building, I'm just telling you there's something Christmassy about that. How are you going to tie that into church? Well, it's like Jesus. Jesus takes out all the enemies for us to rescue us as a hostage for Christmas. Yeah, I'm doing good with that, right? That works. So, yeah, so I guess Die Hard is a Christmas movie. At least here. Somebody, if you disagree, you know what? You can send us an email and let us know about it. Just uh, send an email to uh, pastorbrad at churchlifepoint.com and uh, Brad, Brad will, will let you know um, what we can, can do to fix that. I love Christmas, but the biggest thing about Christmas is not the movies, it's not the presents, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's the one we're celebrating. He's the one we're focusing on today. If you got your Bibles or your tablets or your phones or whatever you're using, uh, open them up and let's dial up Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This has been the verse we've been focusing on for the last few weeks here uh, at Life Point Church, just looking at these titles that were given to Jesus, prophesied by Isaiah like six or seven hundred years before he was born to let us know how awesome our Jesus was going to be. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Prince of peace. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. You know, the subject peace is addressed in the Bible like 332 times. Because God knew this was going to be a subject that we were going to need some instruction on. Because I don't know about you, depending on what happens in life and how hard life hits you, it can, be, it can sometimes hit you in such a way that you can lose your peace really quick if you're not firmly grounded on a good foundation. You know, Jesus came to establish peace in a couple of ways. One, he came to establish peace between us and God by taking the penalty of our sin onto him at the cross so that he could restore that relationship between God and man and bring peace to that situation. And Jesus also brings peace to our lives as well. He gives peace to us, inner peace, contentment, and fulfillment. That all comes from Jesus. Uh, John chapter 14. Jesus is talking about this peace that he gives. In verse 25, he says, All this I've spoken to you while with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Peace he leaves with us. His peace he gives to us. You know, when Jesus spoke these words to uh, the disciples, do you know what the major debates that were going on in his time where they were debating over war? They were debating over poverty, and they were having debates over social injustice. Do you know what the major debates of today are over right now? War, poverty, and guess what? Social injustice in one form or another. Over 2,000 years later, we're still dealing with the same issues. 
without resolution, without being able to fix all of it. Maybe the solution isn't in a law that can be passed. Maybe the solution isn't really found in who we put into office. Maybe the solution is going back to the source of all peace, Jesus himself, and the peace that he gives. We look at, we're, we're really good at grabbing all kinds of substitutes to fill in the blanks, to find ways to solve the issue of peace, like global peace issues and then inner peace issues, but all of it comes down to Jesus. The world's full of, the world's full of ideas and the world's full of substitutes for that peace, but only Jesus can give real peace. Like the world will offer us the illusion of peace through entertainment and status and, and, and through possessions and all of that, um, but it's not peace. It's not peace. It's the illusion of peace. It's an illusion of peace. Jesus in John 14 draws a line and he says, Peace I give you, but he says, My peace I give you. Not like the world gives, but like I give. Only I can give you the peace that you need because I am the Prince of Peace. He's the originator. He's the originator. Like there's all kinds of substitutes, but there's only one original source of peace, and that's Jesus. How many of y'all have ever been to Gatlinburg? Yeah. I love going to Gatlinburg in the Pigeon Forge area. Uh, I love going up there for a few reasons. One, you just to get away in the mountains. Oh, my goodness. I love the, I love the beach. The beach is awesome, but there's something that's just it's, it's a beautiful. I mean, you just get up in the mountains, and you see all these majestic peaks and and, and you get up there at that high altitude, and you can see all this wildlife like the black bears. I love getting up there and seeing the black bears in, in that area up in the Smoky Mountains. Uh, I love that. I like to uh, people watch while I'm up there, too, because Gatlinburg is a really good place to people watch. Uh, because I, Gatlinburg is kind of like unofficially redneck Vegas. Because there's like this main strip that goes through the city. And then you got shops and stores. If you've never been, there's like shops and stores on every side, on both sides of the road. And you got restaurants and places to eat. Uh, I call it Redneck Vegas because it's got stores. Like I mean, it's got a Dukes of Hazard museum there. All right, that's enough right there. That qualifies. It's red. It's Redneck Vegas, is what it is. And and you can go there and you can let out. I do this almost every time we're out on the strip. You can let out this universal redneck noise. And you're always going to get somebody that will yell it back to you. I'll do it for you right now. You just get out there. It's not roll tide. That's, that's a different. So you get out there and you do this. You go, woo! And then they'll go, woo! We'll practice it just so you know that you're ready when you go there, okay? So I'll do it and you do it back to me, okay? Woo! Woo! So y'all are ready. Y'all are ready. Anytime on the strip in, in Gatlinburg you do that, you're going to get it back because it's redneck. Vegas, But one of the main reasons I like going to Gatlinburg is because of this little place that serves breakfast called the Log Cabin Pancake House. You got, you, anybody been there? Y'all know what I'm talking about. There's some good food there, but they've got something at the Log Cabin Pancake House that's called, you can get it two ways. You can get French Toast Royale, or you can get Pancakes Royale. I get pancakes royale. Kelly likes to get French toast royale. And they give you pancakes or French toast, and they put like, they, they dust it magically with this powdered sugar. 
And then they put this Royale sauce on it. I don't know what they put in this stuff. I'm pretty sure they put some crack in there, though, because I'm addicted to this. It's so good. Um, it's so good. I love the, the sauce they put on that. It's smear it all over, and it's just magical. And when you eat it, you can hear angels singing, and it's like, ah. It's so good. If you haven't tried it, if you're ever up there, go to the Log Cabin Pancake House and get it. Uh, it's so good. But people all over the Internet have tried to duplicate this sauce, and they can't do it. Like, I've had people that have tried to recreate it, and they gave it to me, and I tried it, and it was good, but it wasn't like the original. It wasn't like what you could get at the log cabin pancake place. It, it, it just, you just couldn't get it any other way. You know, there's something about the original that just can't be duplicated. It's like grandma's biscuits or grandma's apple pie, or pumpkin pie, or mom's fill-in-the-blank. Whatever that thing is, you know, everything else is like compared to it because it's the original, and it's the best, and it's the greatest. You know what I mean? That's the way it is with this peace that Jesus gives. You can have all kinds of substitutes, but I don't know about you, but I'd rather have the original. I'd rather have the best. I'd rather have what was intended to fulfill me and give me contentment and to complete me and to help me operate in this world that we live in. Because Jesus said, in this world, we're going to have trouble. But he also said, take heart, because he's overcome the world. He gives us peace to operate in this world full of trouble. He's the prince of peace and the originator of peace in our lives. A lot of substitutes out there. I want to show you a picture. This is the picture of a green apple. And they all are thinking, well, this is great. I came to church for a picture of a green apple. This isn't really a green apple, though. This is the fruit from a tree called the manakinil tree. And the manakinil tree produces this apple fruit. And sometimes they look a little bit like green tomatoes. But this apple look-alike fruit. And when you take a bite of it, at first it's really sweet. But the manakinil tree is incredibly toxic. It's one of the most toxic trees on the planet. And when you eat this, it's not long before you begin to have an allergic reaction and your throat swells up, your mouth tightens up, your eyes begin to water. But when your eyes water, it feels like you just pour pepper sauce in them. It just lights you on fire. And then it does an inc incredible amount of damage to, to your stomach and then your digestive system. It just shuts you down. It's bad stuff. But it looks like an apple. The tree is so toxic that if you get any of the sap on you, immediately it's like acid on your skin. You'll break out in a rash, and it'll burn, and it'll burn, and it'll burn, and you can't wash it off. It's just got to run its course. It's so toxic that if it rains, and you take shelter under the tree, it's so toxic that the rain just rolling off the leaves of the tree and dropping on you burn like acid. I don't want nothing to do with anything like that. That's nasty, you know? So when you eat the fruit, it's like you're ingesting this acid into you. It looks like an apple, but it's not. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff out in this world that looks like peace, but it's not. There's a whole lot of stuff that looks like good fruit, but it's not. And at first, when you take the bite, it's sweet. But once you experience it long enough, you find out that there's just death. You know, the Bible says that there's a way that seems right to a man. 
but in the end, there's death. And a lot of people, a lot of people jump on the train of, 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 going, after, um, of going after possessions and, and going after status and, and going after entertainment and life to try to take it as, as a fruit to give some kind of escape and peace in their life. And, and it doesn't fulfill, and in the end, it's always death. The only thing that can legitimately give peace in life is Jesus. And so what we'll do is this. You'll see somebody that you know, they go through a stretch of life where they're, they're feeling a little lonely and they're feeling a little disconnected. And instead of turning to Jesus as the source of peace in their life, they turn to a substitute. And they say, you know what I need? I need someone to date. I need someone to fulfill me and to complete me as a person. And instead of going to Jesus, who is the original who can do it, they start dating to fill that gap. And so they go through one person, then another, and 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 then another. Because no person can ever fill the gap in your heart that Jesus can fill. Ever. You know? So it, it looks like that, or it looks like somebody that jumps into the job force and and they become driven by ambition because they think if they can obtain some kind of status and reach some kind of level, then they've got some kind of contentment and completion in their life. And so they go at promotion after promotion and advancement after advancement, and they throw themselves into their work, and they're just consumed by the work. And it's all about how far they can go and how far they can climb the corporate ladder. Or it's, it's about the cars that you buy or the money that you make. And, and we go after all of these things and the houses that you buy. And so one move after another is all to capture some kind of, of status so that we can communicate to everyone around us that we've outgrown them and we don't need it anymore because we're trying to obtain some place of peace in our lives. But we're never going to get it. We're never going to get it. Chasing after that stuff. So you go through all of that stuff. And you get the spouse. And you get the house. And you get the money in the bank. And you climb the ladder. And you get the promotions. And you've got the nice cars. And you've got the status. You've got all the stuff. And you have the kids. And now you take up. You fill your calendar with taking on from one place to another. One event to another. One game to another. And your whole life is this bee's nest of busyness, of going and doing and going and doing and trying to accomplish and trying to grab and trying to fill and trying to do. And at the end of the day, we're checking off all the boxes on the paper that we're supposed to be checking off to have a productive and have a life full of peace and fulfillment. But at night, even in the midst of having all of that stuff, we're laying in bed staring at the ceiling empty on the inside because all of it is a substitute because only Jesus can fulfill us. Only Jesus can take that place in our heart. Only Jesus can give the peace that we need. It can't come through anything else or any other way. It's only by Him. It's only by Him. And so... When we realize that those things can't do it for us and there's no contentment or fulfillment in any of that stuff, now we start to medicate. Because I can't get any joy out of life. Now I've got to escape the stress and the pressure from the life that I've created. And so we turn to the alcohol, we turn to the drugs, we turn to the prescriptions. Anything we can get to get loose and free from the stress and the pressure that we put ourselves under, trying to chase after peace when it rests with Jesus the whole time. 
You know, America is one of the wealthiest nations in the history of the world. And we are the most medicated country on the planet right now. Because we've got all this stuff, but we're empty on the inside. We're trying to find every other avenue of peace possible, and we're grabbing toxic fruit from tree after tree after tree when Jesus has the perfect peace available to all of us. I think we need a little bit more Jesus in our lives. Amen? He's the Prince of Peace. And so you take a life that's full of stuff like that, and then you throw the life issues in it, and we begin to crumble. This is why so many Christians are defeated in their walk. It's amazing. Ephesians chapter 6. I want to show you something. Starting at verse 14. It reads like this. It says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place. And look at this line. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I don't know how many times that I read over that and never caught what was being communicated here. Pastor Brad, could you help me real fast? You look good this morning. Why don't you come up here? Stand right over here so everybody can see you. Doesn't Pastor Brad look good today? Yeah. I like your shoes, dude. I got plain old black dress shoes, but you got some cool shoes on. Let me ask you a question. If you were going to play football, at, okay, ham bone, chill out there. So, so if you were going to play football after service, we're going to go out, just out in the grass out there and play, would you go play in those shoes? You'd probably put on some cleats, wouldn't you? Yeah, because they're better shoes for playing football. Ephesians 6 is telling us that we've got to make sure that we've got the right shoes on before we go into battle. Because if you don't have the right equipment to go into battle, what's going to happen? It's going to get messed up. It says, it says, making sure that your feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Feet fitted means that you've got the gospel of peace literally are the shoes on you. What Paul's doing here is he's drawing a comparison between the equipment that a Roman soldier would have and how it parallels to the equipment that God gives us to fight our spiritual battles and to deal with the issues of life. And so he goes through the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. You got the belt of truth and and all this cool equipment. But then he mentions our feet. Our feet being equipped with peace. And I always wondered why that was so. But do you know that in the Roman soldier outfit, the shoes were really special? They were really special. I want to show you a picture of what they would have looked like. They would have looked like this. They would have looked like cleats. They would have had grooves. They would have had spikes or little round things on the bottom of them so that the soldier in battle would have secure footing. So that he could have secure footing and terrain when he was marching. So that when he was in battle, he'd be able to lock up and be set. So that he could not have to worry about slipping and falling and getting killed in battle. If he was charged and someone came against him, he could put up that shield and dig in and have solid footing for the attack that was coming. 
I think a lot of times we get pushed around by life because we don't have the right shoes on. He says that peace, peace is what gives us firm footing for the battle. Peace is what gives us the ability to withstand and not slip around. I think a lot of us are walking around with shoes that are slick on the bottom instead of being equipped with the peace that we're supposed to have. And so when life happens, like if I'm life and Pastor Brad, you're Pastor Brad, here comes life. If Brad doesn't have the right shoes on, he just gets pushed around by the issues of life. Here comes somebody talking about you, pushing you around. So you got no peace. Here comes the boss singling you out. Now you got no peace. Here comes the kids acting like hellions. You got no peace. Here comes the financial pressures pushing him around because he's got no peace to give him a firm foundation. And the issues of life are just going to push him around over and over and over again until he gets equipped with that gospel of peace, until he gets his feet fitted with that peace that gives him secure footing in life. I think, you know what, me, I wouldn't want to get pushed around. I wouldn't get shoved around when God's given me the equipment that I need to stand firm in the face of anything that life throws at me. You know what I mean? So when Brad's got the right shoes on and Brad's equipped correctly, now when the issues of life come at him, he's ready every single time. Let's give Brad a hand. The gospel of peace gives us that firm foundation, that firm foundation in life. Do you know that there's just this quiet confidence that comes with having a connection with Jesus in such a way you have a strong relationship with him? There's, there's that confidence that comes that no, you know that no matter what life throws at you, it's not about how you can handle it. It's that he's already taken care of it. It's that peace and that confidence that gives you that firm footing in the face of conflict in life. You know when Jesus was on the boat with the disciples and the storm was raging and the disciples were freaking out because they thought they were going to die. They went back and they got Jesus. Jesus stood up and he spoke to the storm. And what did he say? He said what? He said, peace, be still. He said, peace, be still. Do you know, do you know that when he said peace, be still to that storm? He wasn't necessarily saying peace, be still. What he was saying in the Greek there was um, resisted submission. And that the storm didn't want to submit to the word, but the storm had to submit to the spoken word of Jesus. Because as powerful as the storm was, it had come across somebody that had a little bit more power. And I think that if we can get in our spirit, that no matter what we face in life, no matter what the storms look like, no matter what the situations 
to come our way are that we have a Jesus that's able to speak to the storms in life and say, peace, be still. And they've got no option but to submit to the authority that's in the name of Jesus. See, when you know you've got something like that at your back, it changes. And instead of, instead of getting pushed around by life, now you're able to dig in and stand with confidence in your Lord and Savior. And instead of getting pushed back, you're able to move forward into the calling and into what he's, what he's created you to do with life. You don't have to get pushed around. You can operate in the peace that comes from knowing Jesus. Philippians chapter 4 reads like this. It says, And the God and the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace of God transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That means peace acts as a guard for our hearts and for our minds. It acts as a guard so that we don't have to become overwhelmed and overcome by the issues of life. That peace is an operational protection around us. So he says, if you are in Christ Jesus, then the peace that comes from God will be a protection over your life, over your heart, and over your mind. And it's a peace that passes all understanding. It transcends all understanding. Which is good news because sometimes you're going to go through stuff in life that just doesn't make sense. Sometimes the situations and the facts are going to find themselves at odds with what the truth of what God says in a situation. The facts might say one thing, but the truth of God says another. So if I'm in Christ, the peace of God helps me to discern between what I see in the natural versus the truth of what God has spoken in the spiritual. Are you with me? We've got to be grounded in our relationship with Jesus because there are going to become times in our lives where the facts are going to say one thing when God says something else. And I want to tell you from experience, guys, when, when, it, when the facts don't match God's truth, you go with God's truth every time. You choose his truth every time. Choose his truth every time. What does that mean? Well, Abraham, God spoke to him and he said, you're going to be the father of many nations. But the facts said that Abraham was too old to have kids. The facts said that Abraham's wife was too old to have kids. Now, the fact said one thing, but the truth of God said something different. And in the end, you know what worked out. The truth of God overcame the facts, and it'll do it every time. See, the facts say, just like Moses and the children of Israel were pinned against the Red Sea with the army of Pharaoh coming down on top, and the facts would say that they were in trouble. The facts would say that they're about to get wiped out. The facts would say that there's no way for them to escape. It's over for them. 
But the truth of God said to take that staff and stand and wait and see the salvation of the Lord. You see what I'm saying? The facts are going to say one thing, but the truth of God is going to say something else. See, the facts are going to say that our Savior was dead. The facts are going to say that he was put on a cross and crucified. The facts are going to say that he died and he was put in a grave. But the truth of God said that even though he died, he was going to be raised again three days later. And what happened three days later? Our Savior got up and God straight up robbed the grave. Are you hearing me this morning? Because you're going to go through times in your life where the facts are going to say one thing, but the promise of God is going to say something else. And if you don't operate in the peace of God, you're going to become overwhelmed by the facts and lose sight of the truth. And you're going to miss out on the opportunity to see God do something powerful in your life. You're going to go into the doctor, and he's going to say, Listen, we found something. i got to talk to you about this. You got cancer. Now the facts are going to say that the test found something. The facts are going to say that it's on the chart. The facts are going to show the picture of the mass. So you're going to have to have a choice right here. You're going to choose to give in to the facts or to believe the truth of what the Word of God says and that God is our healer. Am I going to freak out over the news that I've gotten, or am I going to choose to stand on the truth of the Word of God? See, the facts are going to say that you don't have enough money in the bank. The facts are going to say that the power bills do. The facts are going to say that the power bill's 220 bucks and you got $35, and you still got to buy groceries for the rest of the week. The facts are going to say that you lost your job, the pressure's on you, and now it's time to pay rent and pay the mortgage. The facts are going to say there's no way it's going to happen. But the truth of God says that God is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. The truth says that if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, that he'll add all of those things to our lives and provide for us. The truth says that he's a way maker, that he opens doors. That the truth says one thing, but the facts might say something completely different. I want to encourage you today to always, always, always remember the truth of the word of God and ignore the facts in life because the facts will stack up and say it can't be done while God can kicks down the doors every day and makes things happen. He makes the impossible happen. But you got to operate in the peace that comes with knowing that He is the God who's able to do it. And when I was praying this week, I felt like there were going to be some people here today that needed to be reminded that Jesus is our Prince of Peace. He came to give us his peace, that original peace that can't be duplicated. And maybe some of us in here have tried to find it in different ways here lately. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the only source of true peace for this world and for your heart. And there is no substitute. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around.